0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Good afternoon. My name is Brian Tofer, Principal Architect of Topher Architecture, and you are listening to New Books Architecture, a podcast channel on the New Books Network dedicated to architecture and its publications. If you have any suggestions on authors who you would love to hear me speak with next, feel free to send me an email at btopher at topherarchitecture.com. Today's guest is Katharina Gabrielson to talk about a book she co-edited with Kenny Coopers and Helena Madsen. The book is Neoliberalism on the Ground. Katharina is Associate Professor in Urban Theory and Docent in Architecture at KTH School of Architecture. Thank you very much for being here with me and talking with me. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much.
1: So before we begin, can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself?
0: Yes, um, I'm, a, I'm trained as an architect. I do a bit of practice, but my main work nowadays is in academia, you can say, and um, I do, I have been doing quite a lot of research during the last ten years, and one of the outcomes is precisely this book that you that we're going to talk about today, that I did to, co-edited together with my colleagues. Um. And um, well, what else should I say? Uh, my research is pretty broad, and I'm looking into. I do a bit of sort of historiography, but I'm really interested in history and how it puts it sort of uh, creates the present moment so to speak and uh i always try to be take a very interdisciplinary approach and sort of think through architecture broadly um through engaging with um recent philosophy aesthetics movements in the fine arts and so on yeah so yeah i, I have sort of broad interests you can say i'm currently working on on filmmaking in fact
1: We'll, we'll, and we'll get to that a little later, I want to hear more about that. So it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And so the first question I'd like to start off with is probably a broad one you get asked a ton. What is neoliberalism?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good question. I think it's neoliberalism is, in fact, a very kind of slippery concept. And um, it's even, you know, highly contested even in academia nowadays. And it tends to be used as a sort of bracket term for... Um, it's important to note that it's a critical concept i mean ordinarily politicians who we would identify as being sort of starry-eyed neoliberal neoliberals would never identify as such themselves Hmm. so it kind of derives from critical theory critical urban discourse within academia i would say and um, basically you could say it sort of works as an umbrella concept for What's been going on globally ever since sort of started in the 60s, um, sort of beginning to appear in the 70s, in particular in the UK and the USA, and then sort of brought into fruition in the 90s as a kind of broad um, political reorientation towards deregulations uh free markets privatizations and so on and so forth so it's like the abandonment of the traditional model of the welfare state i would say
1: interesting and so this
0: is a, shorthand version of it. Uh,
1: a great definition and so that's kind of the first topics i wanted to talk about so the book is not necessarily this manifesto of architectural design based on that In my mind it's a little more focused on you know urban policy and architectural concepts and so i was wondering if you could elaborate a little more you know i i understand that each case study is very unique but there is sort of kind of an overall theme to all of these different case studies
0: Mm, yeah we i mean Neoliberalism, as I said, is a very sort of broad term um, that corresponds to, you could say, kind of late capitalism, the sort of state we find ourselves in today with global capitalism. And what we're interested in is to see how architecture and planning Um, are sort of part of that huge ideological shift. Uh, And it means understanding architecture and planning, or especially architecture in a broader sense than just identifying architecture with buildings or built objects. So we're also looking into architecture as a sort of, as a discourse, as a way of presenting ideas, new ideals, uh, aesthetic reorientations, and so on. we kind of approach architecture broadly in order to understand how it's somehow part of this ideological shift and not just representing it or adapting to it. So it, we're putting architecture in a very active mode, in fact. And I'd say that's one of the premises of our book is how we understand that architecture can work as a conceptual lens to capture minute shifts in society as they are ongoing and then another premise for the book is something we pick up from critical urban theory uh, and thinkers like uh, Neil Brenner and Jamie Peck who are social scientists and architects Um, and it's basically to understand to distinguish between neoliberalism as a sort of abstract idea and as a Local and socially embedded practice, what they refer to as actually existing neoliberalism, and in that way it becomes interesting to look at very different situations and societies and countries, in fact, and and see how things operate, sort of on the ground, so to speak, in local and embedded situations. Um, so those are the kind of premises for the book, and we we believe that by looking at all these different moments as described in the case studies and we get a more sort of complex map of how this huge transition sort of occurs differently in different places but at the same time inspired or united by similar ideas and how architecture and planning uh, collaborate in this transition
1: and so as i mentioned you know there's a lot of them are very unique and one thing I have seen in quite a few of the case studies, however, is the the theme of economic collapse and it being used as an opportunity instead of just a tragedy. I was wondering if you could explain to us a little more kind of the, we'll say, the connection between economic collapse and the opportunity for neoliberalism in urban policy. Mm,
0: I'm not quite sure what, what um, this uh, term economic collapse, uh, I'm not sure where you picked that up from. Um, it might be the case of the case study from Argentina, perhaps. Uh, um, but, it mm, but it certainly sort of um, resonates with the idea that the traditional model of the welfare state is contested, critiqued, and eventually abandoned, you could say. Um, And how this, of course, um, and all these new sort of uh, neoliberal ideas and restructuring projects are put into place. And obviously, it does create a lot of new opportunities for architecture and it um, also one of the things that we focus on in the book is how it transforms the professional roles of architecture and how it creates new sort of new roles of urban designers and so on and so forth. But it's not, I mean, our emphasis is not on the kind of new opportunities that are created because we um, we obviously <laughs> take a very critical approach to this increasing domination of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that we're also trying to claim is that architecture is in a way also a mode of resisting or, or creating different kinds of realities than those was defined by the market but um generally most of the most of the chapters is really on looking at how architecture becomes engaged in this process of social transformation you can say Mm. right i mean um, yeah i I could go on but i'll end there Mm. oh
1: please uh, so and so another thing I thought, you know, the uh, the origin of the book itself—it's hinted at in the beginning that it, it came about from a conference. And so mm-hmm. the, the question is, you know, not only just hearing more about the conference, but what initially led to this discussion being led. I, I personally have never heard of a lot of this, and so mm-hmm. what, what brought about the you know the conference and then the actual combination into this book.
0: Mm-hmm. Is neoliberalism not a sort of a household word in, in in the states?
1: I would say not, but I can only speak for really? myself.
0: Uh-huh. that's very interesting because in I mean, in Sweden and I don't know in France and in, in the UK, certainly it's it's very much sort of um, it's is a very common topic. Uh, and one of the things that we decided early on was that we're not we're not really claiming that we're can of um, advancing the discourse on neoliberalism per se, but our contribution is to look at how architecture and the built environment is part of this movement, because usually neoliberalism is sort of discussed in terms of um, social science and so on, and it seems to disregard how neoliberalism is sort of also something being shaped in the everyday. um, yeah, the background to the book. I mean, me and Helena Matson we've been working on a research project about um, the role of architecture and planning in Sweden during the 70s and 80s, um, which is a historical historiographical project, research project. Uh, and the name for that project was architecture, the architecture of deregulations. So we um, made a call for an international conference. Um, I think it was in 2016 and uh run that conference for two days and some of the papers ended up as chapters in the book and the other event was a session on that Heliana did together with Kenny Coopers in the Society of Architectural Historians Society I think it's called in Europe and they had a session on architecture and neoliberalism precisely so th- those two events were the sort of original background to the book and we sourced the papers from there and obviously it was a very long process and a lot of editing and uh, some some papers were transformed and some were dropped and some some were, you know, new Some new authors were added to it and so on. So it was a long process, but basically those two um, conference, conferences were, was the sort of origin for the book. And we started in, I think, 2015, thinking about how we could do something together on this theme. Yeah, so it's always, a, I think it's difficult to understand, unless you've been in this sort of business yourself, um, the kind of really long process behind the making of a book. Absolutely. Yes. So, yeah, and it came out in March 2020, so it was like a year ago, and we were planning to do some kind of launch, but then this whole pandemic coronavirus struck so we haven't yet been able to launch it but hopefully we will be able to do something about it quite soon
1: very exciting and so as i said so again i can only speak for myself but i i personally neoliberalism is not a household word it's not something i personally was familiar with and so as much as i'd Mm -hmm. love for us to go through every case study but in the interest of your time and our listeners time (laughs) we won't be able to do that but I was wondering if you know we could start right on the very first one the collapse of so- of a social housing monument in France the Palace on Mortgage.
0: I'm mm-hmm.
1: wondering if you could maybe walk us through that a little more particularly the you know basically the broad concept of kind of explaining the theme of the book for for me personally and anyone else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um this first chapter is written by um Uh, Anne Kockelkorn, who is uh, a German architectural historian and scholar and a very sort of sharp thinker, I think. And uh, this, the chapter is uh, derived from her PhD that she finished a couple of years ago. And I think it's super interesting because she combines intensive anthropological fieldwork with a very kind of um, she, she engages uh, intensely with philosophy and architectural theory and wraps that up and sort of unfolding that with her own fieldwork in a way. So I think it's, her way of writing is very interesting. Um, and basically what the chapter is about is uh, the huge project, uh, Abraxas, by, designed by Ricardo Bouffil in the 70s. Uh, for a new town on the outskirts of Paris, and at the time, uh, this I think many of you might have um, know this project because it's very celebrated and it's got the spectacular architecture, looking like sort of a take on the on a French uh, royal castle or something. And it's also served as a film set several occasions. It's got this kind of dystopian, strange character to it. I think it it appeared in the in uh, one of the films um hunger games for instance yeah. so it's this really scenographic and strange environment but what she's looking at is how it was built as a celebration of social diversity uh, postmodern architecture and um, the kind of uh, the idea of dwell the right for dwelling for all and so on and how it through transformations of the french policies for the housing market and through various shifts in the financial economy um, during a period of a couple of years it completely became sort of um um the the inhabitants shifted the middle class moved out it, it was left as a sort of place of abandonment, abandonment and despair you know a, a sort of palace on decline as she writes about it and um and basically what she's pointing to is that this kind of radical shift in the housing policies and so on and um, transforming the right for a dwelling into the obligation to partake in the housing market um, how this was an occurrence that came about through a very active intervention of the state so in terms of underst- uh sort of as a reading of neoliberalism it points to uh, the requirements that it was actually the state in many cases that took the lead in these transformations. It wasn't just a matter of the state stepping back from its former social responsibilities. It was a historical kind of transformation undertaken by the state precisely. So she does a particular reading of how neoliberalism comes about that falls back on the work of the French philosopher, uh, Michel Foucault, in particular. Um, And one of the things she points to is what she refers to as the tremendous disjunction between how this project by Bouffier was celebrated as an avant-garde piece of architecture, as a triumph of postmodernism, so to speak, including numerous publications and awards and so on and the physical materiality of the building and in this state of decline uh, and as supported by in its inhabitants who gradually became more and more sort of dispossessed and disenfranchised. So she's pointing at the disjunction between architecture as a symbol and as an image and as a real physical daily environment. I think I may be simplifying, Uh, she does some very refined takes on this, but I think it's a very dramatic story that is extremely well-researched and that it's interesting in the way she kind of, it's very interdisciplinary, but it's very interesting the way it's uh, based on her own prolonged inhabitation of this place.
1: Absolutely. And Thank you very much for that. And so, like I said, as much as I'd love to go through every case study, we just we won't be able to. No, no. And so you mentioned that, uh, you know, the process, of course, of getting a book published is quite a lengthy one. And so one thing I always like to end these uh, sessions with is, you know, since the book was, I won't say published, since the book's been finished, you know, what what have you been working on? What's What projects have occupied your time since then?
0: Mm-hmm. Um Well, actually, the book that the project that I started with Ilana Matson um, that refers to the Swedish situation um, that was the origin for this book. In fact, um, we still have to write our book in Swedish, uh, so we're still working on that. And that's based on Swedish case studies. And it's interesting because Sweden was celebrated for the world, worldwide for the sort of Swedish welfare state model um, that was incredibly quickly abandoned in fact and uh, now sweden is one of the most neoliberal neoliberal countries in the world um so that sweden is very far from being um i I would say sweden is a pretty extreme country in that respect but so we're still working on that swedish book And besides that, yeah, I've got a new research project that's really looking into bureaucracy, but we're using film as, the idea is to use the camera as a research tool. So um, we're getting into sort of anthropological studies using the camera, which is pretty exciting and I don't know much about it, but, So far, we've noticed that you certainly can't put people in front of a camera and expect them to tell things. You know what I mean? You have to tread very carefully. So, um, but that that research project is what we call in Sweden artistic research, um, which is a pretty big field in Swedish. So I'm collaborating with artists on that project.
1: And that's the film project you hinted at earlier, correct?
0: Exactly. Mm And so
1: I just just well, my own curious so uh, when how is the what is your thoughts on the format of that release is it going to be a, a video uh, and whether it's the internet or release digitally uh, almost like a I guess a movie release yeah,
0: well, <laughs> <laughs> well it's not gonna be in a cinema you know like that no gotcha. um no it's, we're, the, idea, the idea is there's gonna be uh, like yeah we, we hope it's gonna be one hour and it's going to be about public art and the everyday environment and public space and the means and the and the and the conflicts in in that are kind of embedded in public art and um, so um, i make all of that into an exciting and dramatic piece even though the the our material is our material is including um, policies and bureaucracy and so on so it's an experiment altogether, but hopefully it's going to be uh, available uh online yep and we're collaborating with this associations that will help us put it online and distribute project and we've only just started so in a couple of years time i'll let you know
1: interesting we we've never talked about a video on here but perhaps in the future mm. we can talk about it
0: hmm no, I mean, we have funding, so it's going to be a proper film, even though m- most of the kind of shooting is something we will do ourselves. But we also have funding to, to you know, we're going to write a script and we're going to employ actors and, and so on. So it's going to be a mix of documentary material and, and uh, fictional stuff.
1: Very interesting. Well, can't wait to see it in a few
0: years. <laughs> Thanks.
1: So I want to thank you again for taking the time to uh, talk with me today.
0: Thank you. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very glad I had the occasion to talk about our book, and I hope that people find their way to it. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, and to everyone listening, the book is Neoliberalism on the Ground, and to all of our listeners, thank you and have a great day.
0: Thank you.